Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Oh, great. Well, if you'd all like to turn in your Bibles to Genesis 24, as we look to the Lord in, uh, in prayer that he would speak to each one of our hearts. Father, you know the need of our hearts. You know the need of each heart individually. And Lord, we collectively now present our heart before you and pray, meet the need of our hearts, Lord, through your word as we study together in Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 24, verse 59. And they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, thou art our sister, Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. And Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man, and the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of the well, the Haroi, for he dwelt in the south country, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. Now, in our last study, you remember that that was a time when we saw Rebecca and her family. And in verse 60, what we have here is we saw how Laban, her brother, had just led the family in what was likely the last thing that she would hear from her family again which was his prayer in verse 60 when it says, and they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate thee. Now what do you do when, when you put yourself in this position and yesterday a man comes from a very long distance and tell how God is asking for your sister, God is asking for your daughter and he's to be taken away the next day and likely you'll never see her again. What do you do? Do you cry? You get depressed, you go off in a silent sulk, you you distance yourself from her to protect your heart from being broken, you get angry, who is this man, or who is God, take take her away, no, 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 and so you do what Rebecca's family did, in verse 60, they blessed Rebecca, you take your sister, you take your daughter, and you hold her close to you, as they did, for the last time, and you bless her, which means you pray for her and you ask God for her. You hold her close, you pray with a great intention, which is what we see them doing here in verse 60. So first, Laban now, speaking for the family, he says, thou art our sister. See, with those words, Laban is saying that you are our sister, you'll always be our sister to us, 
Of course, Laban knew that Rebekah was not her mother's sister, it was her mother's daughter. But he says, thou art our sister. Because as a fellow believer, she was a sister to all fellow believers there with, that were in that family. That sister is a very special position. It's natural for a brother to want to protect his sister. You know, we see that carried to the extreme wrongfully in the case of Levi and Simeon with their sister, Dina, who was forced into sexual immorality by Shechem, the son of Hamor, King Hamor of the Hivites, and they wrongfully, wrongly slaughtered the whole city of the Hivites. And they said the reason they did it was because Genesis chapter 34, verse 31, they said, should he deal with our sister as with an harlot? So they as brothers took the role of protecting their sister Dina. See, brothers protect sisters. They're supposed to, at least. And that's the way the Bible would have us view women in the church. It says in, in 1 Timothy 5.2, the elder women as mothers, the younger women as sisters with all purity. See, that was especially addressed to the men in the church, that they should view the younger women as sisters with all purity. What do you do with a sister? You protect her even to the point of putting your life on the line to protect her from someone else who would attack her. And when it says in 1 Timothy 5, 2, that men should view younger women as sisters, it states, with all purity. In other words, it tells us that behind the statement is the issue of purity or impurity. So this verse in 1 Timothy has its application for when a man in the church would have an impure thought that would morally harm a believing woman in the church. In 1 Timothy 5, 2, it tells us how that man is to overcome that impure thought involving a woman in the church. It's telling, in 1 Timothy 5, 2, it's telling us that the man, how to, how to deal with the Christian mingle, you know, which reminds me of the man in El Cajon that was recently sentenced to 30 years in prison for raping two women that he met on Christian Mingle. Anyway, 1 Timothy 5.2 is telling the man that he's to see that woman in the church as his own sister and himself as her brother protector and that an impure thought comes to his mind of morally harming her that he would visualize himself as her brother putting his own life on the line to protect her from moral harm. See, that's how the Bible says for men in the church to be guarded from impure thoughts that would morally harm a believing woman in the church. That's why it says in 1 Timothy 5, 2, that you see the elder women as mothers, the younger women sisters with all purity. So when Laban says to Rebekah in verse 60, thou art our sister, he was saying to her that she would always be their sister and that they would always protect, seek to protect her and hold her dear in their hearts. Then from his statement, he says, thou art our sister, as everyone's holding now Rebecca close to their hearts, and he blesses her with his prayer of be thou. That's his prayer, be thou. And so what we see in verse 60 is how to bless a person. See, all blessing comes from God. So when we bless someone, we pray God's blessing on that person. His first prayer is that she would be the mother of, of thousands of millions. Now, let me think about that. He started, so he said, you know, that's not a small number, thousands of millions, right? It, it, it's, it, it just doesn't quite sound like the only children she had, which were these twins. You know, one was 
Uh, he was, in Yiddish, you say a mazik. You know, a mazik is a destroyer. You know, he's like, that's Esau. And so she only really had one good boy, Jacob. But he prayed, Laban prayed, that she would be the mother of thousands of millions. Thousands of millions is billions, you know. And this number poses a problem for us when we look at the descendants of Rebekah. Because certainly the Jewish people, even when numbered collectively through the ages, don't come to this number of billions. So what could Laban's blessing be talking about? What could he be referring to? It has to be both the physical seed of Rebekah, the Jewish people, and the spiritual seed of Rebekah or believers as it was being traveled, traveled through Abraham there. Because believers collectively have numbered down through the ages in the billions. So he's not referring to just, just the Jewish people or just what Romans eleven twenty four calls natural olive branches. In this verse, verse 60, Laban is referring to what Romans eleven twenty four calls wild olive branches who are grafted in to the olive tree. So the thousands of millions in verse 60 is referring to the wild olive branches, wild Gentile olive branches. And as I look out on you, my beloved, you are wild. <laughs> anyway, but you became believers. And, and you were grafted in to the olive tree to be partakers with the believing Jewish people of the salvation and adoption of God, etc. You know, we have a mission based on 11, Romans 11, 24 called ERM, which stands for, it's, it stands for Israel Restoration Ministries, and it's dedicated to seeing the natural Jewish olive branches that were cut off because of unbelief that they should be grafted back into their own olive tree. But God has another mission from 11, Romans eleven twenty four, and his mission is called Igerm, <laughs> which stands for Israel grafted in <laughs> restoration ministries. And it's Igerm that uh, Laban's referring to here when he prays that Rebekah should be the mother of thousands of millions or billions. That's referring to the Gentile believers who are grafted in along with the Jewish believers collectively down through the ages, they had a number in the billions. Gentile believers along with Jewish believers, are God's people. God's people. And collectively, they number in, the, in this number. Where do you see this number? Laban introduces this number here, but in, in uh, uh, the thousands of millions. But where do you see such a number? You, know, you see that number in Revelation. Here we are in the first book in the Bible. Will you see it? We go to the last book of the Bible. You see it? And in Revelation 7, 4 through 14, you see this number. When, when John says, I heard the number of them which were sealed, and they which were sealed were 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. And then he goes through the tribe of Judah, 112,000 tribe of Reuben, 12,000 tribe of Gad, 12,000 tribe of Asher, 12,000 tribe of Nephtali, 12,000 the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 tribe of Simeon, 12,000 tribe of Levi, 12,000 tribe of Issachar, 12,000 Zebulun, uh, Joseph, Benjamin, all 12,000. Then he says in Revelation 7, 9, after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, 
palms in their hands and crowd with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb. And all the angels stood about a throne about the elders, the four beasts, fell before the throne on their faces, worshiped God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever, amen. And one of the elders answered saying unto me, what are these? which are arrayed in white robes, whence came they? And I said unto him, sir, thou knowest. (laughs) And, And he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So here you go, there they are. There's the thousands of millions that Laban prayed that Rebekah should be thou the mother of. And they're there from every tribe of Israel, and I don't know how they get these tribes. I mean, uh, I, mean I, I always wonder what tribe I'm from because I'm sure that my family, nobody obeyed any rules to stay within any tribe. So I don't know, it must be some, it doesn't matter. But anyway, but there they are in, in, in uh, the others in Revelation 7, 9 called the great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. Thousands of millions that Laban prayed for Rebecca to be thou the mother of. Rebecca is the spiritual mother of all those believers that no man could number. And when we stand, which we will, in the middle of all that multitude, we'll look around, you know, we'll just spin around. I remember one time I was in the Serengeti Desert and we got caught in our little, little, wasn't so little, but it felt little, Land Rover, and there was just an innumerable group of um, wildebeest. Those wildebeest, they're just all over us. I mean, as far as you can see, it was, like, it was more than a Texas rodeo, you know. It was, a, it was something. Well, these aren't wildebeest here. <laughs> but, but we'll do this. We'll be in heaven, and we'll spin around, and we'll look around, and we'll see this vast sea. We'll see people from every nation, every tribe, every people, every tongue, and we'll see them all wearing these robes, and we'll be so impressed because we'll say, how do they get those robes so white? And then we'll know they washed along with our robes in the blood of the lamb and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And then when the lamb appears in front of all of us and the people, we're all gonna say, we are your people. We are your people. We have been redeemed by your blood, We've been rescued from death. We've been rescued from hell. We're here all by your blood. And so there will be no words. We won't know how to express our gratitude to him. So we'll just sing, sing songs like, hallelujah, what a savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. And we'll be in that group that Laban has prayed Rebecca to be thou the mother of. Thousands of millions. Then Laban, in verse 60, he prays that Rebekah's seed of billions would possess the gates of those that hate them. See, in other words, he's praying that they would dominate or conquer their enemies. See, this raises the question for us of who are these that hate us? Who are these that want to destroy us? And Paul gives the answer to that in Ephesians 6.12 when he says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Those are the ones that hate us. The ones who hate us are not flesh and blood. Looks like they hate us, but it's really, it's their motivating spirits behind them that hate us. 
It's the principalities and the powers and the rules of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places that are motivating the flesh and blood to hate us, but it's the others that hate us. That's who hates us, not flesh and blood. So we find that flesh and blood doesn't hate us. They only, they're only that, they're just they're motivated to hate us. I guess they do hate us, but that's not the root problem. And so Laban's prayer is that we would conquer them, these spiritual wickednesses. That's what the Bible says will happen in Romans 16.20 when it says, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. See, God is gonna use our feet to bruise Satan. And so what does, now, see, you know, you read something like this, Romans 16, 20. God is gonna use our feet to bruise Satan shortly. And what does bruising under the feet remind you of in scripture? Remind you anything? Bruising under the feet. Yeah, that's right. See, in Genesis three fifteen. We read, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. So what does that mean? <laughs> and, and thou shall bruise his heel. See, it shall bruise thy head. That means he's gonna be bruised under the feet of. And so God told Eve that her seed would bruise the head of Satan under her seed's feet. And of course, that happened at the cross. We know that when the Lord Jesus Christ, he got his, he got his heel bruised in the process. He was bruising, he, he got bruised as he was put the death blow on Satan, see? When he put death to death, his heel got bruised. But when he removed the sting from death, his heel got bruised. When he took away the victory of the grave, his heel got bruised. And he did all that in that fatal bruising of Satan's head. But that was the bruising of Satan under the foot of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Romans 16, 20 says that God's gonna use our feet to bruise Satan's head. How does that work? Well, how could our feet be used to bruise the head of Satan? You see, the answer to this, we have to consider what the Lord Jesus Christ said to Peter in Matthew 16, 18, when he said, I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, the Lord Jesus Christ said that he would build his church and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. Now, who's building the church? Who's building the church? We are as we bring the gospel to the lost and pray for the lost and bring them out of Satan's darkness and his tyranny and bring them into the liberty that's in Christ and his light. See, as we do that, What's happening? Our feet is, are bruising the head of Satan. We bring a lost sinner, how, what do you mean? When we bring a lost sinner to the Lord, we do what Job described in Job 29, 17, when he said, I break the jaws of the wicked and plucked the spoil out of his teeth. See, each lost sinner is in the teeth of Satan and he's held there by the jaws of Satan. And for that lost sinner to be taken out of the teeth of Satan, the jaws of Satan have to be broken. That's bruising the head, bruising the head of Satan. Each time we bring a lost sinner to the Lord Jesus, we bruise the head of Satan under our feet. Now, how are we able to bruise the head of Satan under our feet? The answer, seen in part, is in Zechariah 10.5, when the Lord said, and they shall be as mighty men, 
which tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle. They shall fight because the Lord is with them and, and the riders of the horses shall be confounded. So in other words, they have the success because the Lord is with them. By our witness, by our evangelistic persuasion, by our prayer to God, we are able to bruise the head of Satan under our feet for one reason. And the Lord Jesus told us that in Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The only reason that we're able to do this is because it says the Lord gives us power to do this. So now we're looking back up Genesis 24, verse 62. So with that blessing from her family, Rebecca leaves in verse 61. And now we know, because we know what happens in the rest of the book, so we know about all the adventures that Rebecca has in front of her when she left. And the, and, the, and the nice part about it is that Rebecca didn't know about all those adventures that were in front of her as she left her family. And she, but she had faith in God. She had faith in God that whatever there was in the road before her that she didn't know about, God was going to take care of her. And we know how God did take care of her because we know the rest of the book. But when we think about that and apply it to ourselves, it brings us a great peace when it comes to our future. See, at this junction in our lives, we're like Rebecca. We don't know what's in front of us. We don't know what adventures, what trials, what challenges are on our road as we go forward with God. But, and, but we know as Rebecca knew when she left her family, whatever was in front, God was going to take care of her. God is going to take care of us. Now, in verse 62, we turn now our eyes to Isaac. And it says, And Isaac came from the way of the well, Laheroi, and for he dwelt in the south country. Now we see Isaac, see? And he's coming from this well, this well Laheroi, and he's, and he's coming from that well because that well is, just seems to be a favorite place of Isaac. He loves that well. As a matter of fact, when, when after Abraham dies, that's the place he chooses to live. In Genesis 25, 11, next chapter, it says, And it came to pass after the death of Abraham, that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac dwelt by the well, Lahabroi. That's it. So why was this well so important? Well, first we need to understand the meaning of that name. See, the name of that well is three Hebrew names, or three Hebrew words. The first, it's, it's beer. It's beer. You know, beer is not something you drink in Hebrew. It's a, it's a well. It means well. So the, the, so the beer, it's, it's well. They say well. It's well. And the next word is Lahabroi. Now, uh, Leheroy is, when we read that, Leheroy, you know, kind of looks like a bad hair day, you know, (laughs) but that's not how you really pronounce it in Hebrew, you know, so so the way you remember how to pronounce it, you just remember the song, you know, to life, to life, Lachayim, 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 to life, and if our good fortune never comes, here's to whatever comes, drink Lachayim to life, so now from that little song, what do you think, so the word Leher is Lachai. So what do you think the word lachai means? Let me give you a hint. To life, to life, lachaim, lachai. Oh, you're brilliant. You should get the Nobel Prize. Nobody ring the bell. All right, so <laughs> that's it. It means to life, life. It means life. So lachai means life, life, or living, living one. So roy means seeing. So what, what uh, beer lachai roy means is uh, it's the well of the living one who sees. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship. <laughs> 